0: Welcome to a new edition of the Goshen News Sports Podcast. This is your host, Austin Huff, riding solo again, second straight week. Uh, no one apparently likes me to come on the podcast, so that's okay. Uh, we will have a little teaser kind of clip interview, not, not Ben Wagner, our plus long interview that we had last week, but uh, got a teaser of a clip, uh, you know, obviously this week Notre Dame is hosting number one Clemson. It's the first time in 15 years that Notre Dame has played the number one team in the country. The last time was that famous uh, USC game, 2005, the Bush push at the end. And uh, I actually chatted up with a local uh, person who was a walk-on on on the Notre Dame team that year. Uh, His name is Wade Imes. He's a Penn graduate, so from Mishawaka, grew up lifelong Notre Dame fan walked on the team, so he kind of gave me some cool perspective of a player that went through that week, um, you know, and also a student, so, uh, and he's a doctor now, actually, helping people with lung cancer, so that's pretty cool, uh, so I talked with him, they'll have a story later in the week in the Goshen News about that, and we'll play a little clip for you from our interview that I did with him this morning, talking about the Bush-Push play, thought it was a very interesting answer, but, so that'll be later in the podcast, but, We'll start. We'll circle back to the local stuff uh, for the DeGosha News coverage area. We are done with the fall sports season. I can't believe I just said that out loud on uh, November 3rd. Happy Election Day. Um, yeah, we, we finished up everything, uh, mostly in large part because of the football teams on Friday that lost. We'll get to them in a little bit, but I wanted to hit it off, start with the... State cross country meet that happened this past weekend. I almost forgot them last week. I made sure to make it on the top of my list this week. I would not forget the cross country runners. Uh, Goshen cross country went down the state. The boys team competed as a as a whole team. Finished 13th out of 24, uh, which is a good placing. I think that's kind of where we thought they might finish, somewhere in that 10 to 15 range. Uh, and they play. They ran. Pretty well, all things considered. Uh, One individual, Junior Cole Johnston, he finished 13th individually uh, with a time of 15 minutes and 57 seconds. So he earned medalist and all-state honors. Uh, So congratulations to Cole. Him and Junior Drew Hogan have kind of been their top two runners all season. Uh, Drew has actually been winning more of the races, so it was kind of surprising to see Cole uh, win uh, the race in terms of Goshen runners. Drew finished 35th. Uh, still a fantastic season for them. Uh, like I said, you know, the 13th out of 24 teams in the state—that's pretty darn good. Uh, dirt, good finish there by the Redhawks, and six of the seven runners that ran this past weekend for them are coming back next season. So you got to think that this is a team that next year could be really, really good, even better than they were this year. Uh, you know, potentially cracking that top 10. Uh, in the state, maybe top five even, dare I say, uh, there is a chance, I think, there for the Red Hawks to do that. Um, you know, they're probably the best program right now at Goshen High School, and, uh, you know, they're they're showing off. They showed off a little bit this weekend. So, you know, the future looks bright for that group next year, and it uh, should be fun to see how they maybe progress in the offseason. You know, a lot of these guys play winter and, and spring sports, so they'll run track, and obviously, Drew Hogan. He's uh, a very good basketball player for the Red Hawks. He's going to be leading them this winter uh, if, if we can play a season, uh, you know, to be determined. We're, we're trying. Girls basketball starts today, uh, which is crazy also to say. Um, but yeah, uh, overall, great season for Goshen. And uh, there was also another individual at the boys' race that did well. Uh, Westview senior Spencer Carpenter, he finished 20th with a time of 16.03. That also earned him medalist honors and all state. So, congratulations to him. He went down and ran with his twin brother, Remington. Those two have been running on that team uh, for f- all four years. Now, they were on the varsity team in 2017 that finished third as a team in state. Uh, they, those two, you know, have basically defined uh, Westview cross-country the last four years. And uh, Remington finished 93rd. I'm not sure what happened there. Uh, you know, Spencer and Remington have been finishing pretty close to each other uh, in the standings all season. So, I don't know, maybe Remington got caught in a group or fell. I'm not sure. I, I, I was not there on Saturday in Terre Haute. I apologize. I don't know if that offends anybody. Uh, but uh, great season for, for them and a good way to finish off, you know, his senior year there for Spencer to get that 20th place medalist honors. And, uh, you know, they did great things over there at Westview. So. And a shout-out to the other area runners that ran. Uh, Northridge's Jackson Miller ran in the boys' race. And on the girls race earlier in the day, you had Northridge sophomore Haley Heil and Northwood junior Caitlin Burden. So good, good showing by everyone from the area. Uh, And all those runners, except the Carpenter twins are coming back next year. So you got to think those are going to be the headliners in the area next year. Uh, Should be fun. You know, it's, it's good. It's a good competitive area for cross country. And And uh, it should be a really interesting season next year, even more so. So uh, congratulations to everyone that got to state this past weekend. And we look forward to seeing what you maybe do in 2021. So the reason why I was not in Terre Haute on Saturday was because I was in Logansport instead for Fairfield Volleyball. Uh, They played in the semi-state match on Saturday afternoon at Logansport High School. And, And I don't say this... Uh, lightly that was maybe maybe the best high school sporting event I've ever covered uh, in terms of the competitiveness of the match the stakes that were on the line just the sheer entertainment value I had sitting there there was at least 10 or 15 points that happened where I sat there and I was like wow like I said wow more times at that, that match than I think I've said wow at a game I've ever been at and just in terms of the sheer, like I said, kind of the back-and-forthness of it. Uh, Fairfield was there playing Wapahani. It was a rematch of the semi-state from last year. Last year, Wapahani won at 3-0. This year, Fairfield wins the first two sets, and it looks like they're going to go to state. Potentially, they got to win one more set to win state, but the Raiders come back and win the final three to win the match and advance to the state championship match. Uh, like I said, this was a really entertaining Affair, start to finish. Fairfield competed their butts off, man. They they came in as an underdog for sure and they didn't play like it, at least early. Uh there were, like I said, there were just multiple points where it was like, wow, I cannot believe that they saved that. There was one that uh sophomore Bree Garber had where she dove and like maybe got her fingernails on the ball, but it popped up enough to where a teammate could hit it over the net. And they end up scoring after that, and it was like, wow. Like, it, it, And the crowd was great. You know, everyone wore their masks and stayed socially distanced, but it was very electric in the gym. Um, the Logan Sport gym is also awesome. Um, the Berry Bowl, Logan Sport berries so they call it the Berry Bowl. Um, just a great, great atmosphere, uh, a really competitive match. Neither team really gave an inch. I mean, it, it really was one of the best sporting events I for sure I've covered here and maybe I've seen you know in my in my young 25 years of life uh, on earth so uh kudos to Fairfield man what a season up and down all year uh, you know they had they they couldn't play their first week because of the health mandate uh for covid-19 then they play like three or four matches and then they have to shut down for 5 days, 6 days because they think someone might have tested positive for covid but then it comes back negative so they they come back and you know they they had so many swings here and you know their schedule is always tough so they their record was only 15 and 14 going into the postseason and you know to win a sectional to win the regional and to be i mean literally two points away from advancing to state i mean that that fourth set was 23-23 it could go either way at that point Wapahani wins at 26-24 to force the fifth set i mean it was Truly just dramatic and unbelievable. Um, credit to the Falcons, man. The, it's an historic program. They've they've been to state a couple times. They are one of the more consistently strong programs in our area. They have been down a little bit before 2019, but two years in a row getting to the final four of Class 2A, you know, nothing to be ashamed of there. Truly, truly an incredible match that we watched on Saturday for all who were there. And um, just kudos to Fairfield again. Great season. Uh so, unfortunately, they lost, so that means that the volleyball season was over, cross-country ended at state, and our coverage area football teams all lost on Friday night. So, it was just a great weekend for the Goshen News' and sports department. A lot of, not, not much to cheer for. Um, you know, it kind of started on Friday afternoon when the Concord High School football team had to forfeit their sectional playoff game against South Bend Adams. Uh, due to COVID issues. Um, I talked with Coach Craig Kaler on the phone Friday afternoon. He mentioned to me that the timing of everything just didn't allow them to figure out who needed to be out and in quarantine and who could play in the game Friday night. He basically made it sound like if, if this had happened on Wednesday in the week, they could have still figured it out. They would have been without about 20 to 25 players Uh, given the contact tracing, they already were out like 15 players, Craig said. So to have another potential 10 players out, you know, and the news came in Friday morning, Friday, Friday, early afternoon to where they couldn't really have the time to decide, okay, who can we play? Who can we not play? Uh, So they just had to forfeit. And and he said it was a no brainer decision to do it. You know, it's painful, obviously. You don't want to You know, no one wants their season to end like this, especially when it's taken away from you and you don't actually go out there and like, you know, play and just end up losing. So uh, just a tough way for Concord to end, you know, that season. And it just kind of, uh, you know, it reminded you once again of just this year, (laughs) you know, this year, you know, the virus doesn't you know, it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't care. And I and I wrote a column about that on in Saturday's newspaper. And I, and I appreciate the people who've responded uh, positively to that. Uh, you know, we've been in this pandemic for seven months now. Like we know what to do. We know how to, you know, wear masks and and you know hand sanitizer and six feet away and keep you know wash your hands and don't touch your face. I mean, we know these things and they've been proven to work. And it's just frustrating. You know, that there are still some people who are not doing this and they're jeopardizing, potentially jeopardizing kids' chances to play. You know, you, it doesn't matter if you think this is all stupid or not anymore. Like, that's kind of where I'm coming from. Like, this is just what we're in. Even if if, if you've been exposed to someone who has COVID, you're going to have to sit out. Like, that's just where we're at in this country right now. You know, you don't have to agree with that. So, you should be trying to do everything you can To stay healthy, to stay clean and not get this virus And potentially pass it on Because then you're going to see things like Concord Where they have to forfeit their season They forfeited their season Friday night You know, that's You know, that's just not fair It's not fair We We can do things to help You know, make it As fair as possible And we're not, you know, not everyone is at least I know there's a lot of people that are doing it But not enough are And we need to be all in this together Um so it it is just kind of frustrating when you see that. Um as for the games that were played Friday night, uh not man, I, I was surprised the most by the game I was at. Uh Fairfield, undefeated season, were looking great all year. Uh and they ran into Fort Wayne Bishop Lures and lost forty nine to twelve. Uh it was nothing, nothing after the first quarter and seven to six midway through the second quarter. And, and it felt like, hey, the Falcons are in this thing and they're they're maybe going to hang around. And then Lures just turned on the afterburners, man. Their athletes, their quarterback was amazing. Uh, he only threw one incomplete pass the whole night, ended up finishing with like 260 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, he was unbelievable. It, it really, uh, you know... It was purely a, a size discrepancy. Like, you watching Lures receivers run free all day, and it's like, man, like, you know, Fairfield just didn't have the bodies to compete with that. And, you know, it's a bummer that their season had to end like that. You know, it. there was a great season. Like I said, 9-0, uh, 8-0 in the regular season, won their first playoff game. And, you know, you feel for guys like Matt Sacker, the coach. And, and he was emotional after the game. I mean... He was really distraught because this, him, and this senior group uh, have led the resurgence of Fairfield football. You know, we've talked about it a hundred times on this podcast already, but they were unwatchable in 2018. I mean, it was really, really bad. Uh, But they they powered through it. They they played better in 2019, and they really came all together this past year. So, uh, you know, as a whole you know, they're going to be disappointed by that ending, but there really is nothing to be ashamed of. I know that's kind of like the go-to phrase right now for Fairfield sports, but nothing to really be ashamed of with what happened on Friday night, man. They, it was a great season for them and they're going to build off that. And just talking to Matt after the game, he knows, you know, this is not the end. Like this is just the beginning. Like, you know, he said, you got to love this. You got to love losses like this to really build this program and, and, uh, and I think he's the right guy to do it. So, it seems like the community's behind him. So, uh, I, I, I'm expecting good things out of Fairfield for the next uh, couple of years, hopefully. Uh, elsewhere, Mishawaka beat Goshen 45-6. to uh, Red Hawks' season is over. With a 1-6 record, and if that's not the most 2020-looking thing, uh, I don't know what is. Actually, the most 2020-looking thing is Northwood's record because they went 4-4. Four and four. They ended up losing to Leo 14-12 to 12 in the semifinal. They went 4-4, four and four, which is the same record as Concord, but Northwood played two playoff games and Concord played none. And neither of them played nine games, which is what you usually play in a regular season. Or in a regular season, you play nine games plus at least one playoff game. So, now they've played 10 games. Northwood went 3-3 three and three in the regular season and played two playoff games. Concord went 4-4 four and four in the regular season and played none. I mean, just looking at those records, you know, Friday night, and it's like, my God, like, that is really incredibly – that is like peak 2020 almost right there in terms of just how absurd this year has been uh, with all that. So, hey, the Panthers hung in there against Leo – uh, Northridge almost beat Leo last week and Northwood led at halftime, but Leo scored a touchdown in the third quarter and their defense is really good. So they held off the Panthers the rest of the game. Um, and, uh, the final game from our coverage area, uh, Jimtown beat West Noble 38, nothing. Uh, the chargers had won two in a row, uh, going into that and had played a little bit better, but excuse me, the jimmies were just too much for, uh, for West Noble. They ran for almost 350 yards on West Noble's defense. And, uh, you know, it's a rebuilding year, uh, rebuilding project for Monty Mayhorter down there, but they are hoping to uh, build off of those two wins they got, including a playoff win, and, uh, you know, hopefully rebuild that program and get it to the heights it was at in 2018 and 2019 when they had that superstar uh, senior class there with Brandon Pruitt and Josh Gross and, and Raven Sloan and and uh, and Kyle Mayhorter, his, his kid. So, um, so yeah, uh, the only... You know, real teams in the area that are playing in sectional finals next week. Elkhart, Jimtown, Mishawaka, and Warsaw are teams that are not in our coverage area technically. So, that's it. (laughs) Football's over. Uh, We're already in winter sports season, which is crazy to think about. Um, I don't even know. Yeah, it was an interesting football season. One you'll never forget, that's for sure. Just given the world and how many cancellations there were and, you know, no, only the only teams that played their full schedules were from our area, were the non-Elkhart, you know, county high schools, and yeah, just a bizarre year. Um, you know, when I look back at it, I remember Fairfield, obviously, uh, Northridge being good, and uh, just you know, it ending too soon in a weird way. It feels like it ended way too soon. So that's just the way the cookie crumbles, but. I guess it allows us to shift towards the big football game in South Bend Saturday night. We teased it a little bit at the beginning. North, north I almost said Northwood. Uh, Notre Dame, Notre Dame, number four in the country, hosting Clemson, number one in the country. Huge game Saturday night, NBC, primetime, all the the bells and whistles that go with that. Notre Dame coming off a 31-13 victory over Georgia Tech on Saturday, and and it wasn't even that close, really. looked really pretty dominant for the first three quarters of a game. Uh, Clemson coming off surviving uh, a scare from Boston College. Uh, They beat BC 34-28. Uh, Obviously, the biggest story in college football the last week or so has been Trevor Lawrence, the Clemson quarterback. He was the Heisman favorite. Uh, He tested positive for COVID-19 Thursday night. He did not play against Boston College their true freshman, five-star recruit, uh, DJ Uigalele, I think I don't have to pronounce that name, hopefully the rest of the week, uh, <laughs> he came in and played quarterback for the Tigers and actually led them to the victory. So, you know, they don't have their superstar quarterback in Lawrence, but that DJ guy, he is pretty darn good. He threw for 340 yards, three or two touchdowns, he ran for another one against Boston College. So, He's no slouch, but it is going to be a little different animal, you know, going up against Notre Dame on the road. You know, this is the biggest game that they have hosted in South Bend since that number one game against USC uh, in 2005. So, I'm I'm stoked uh, for this one. If you're a college football fan, you're going to be watching this game Saturday night. Uh, It should be a very entertaining affair between these two teams. And it's a rematch of the college football playoff semifinal from two years ago when uh, Clemson beat Notre Dame 30 to 3 in the Cotton Bowl and uh, you know Brian Kelly on uh, his Monday press conference he was a little a little feisty you know defending his program you know a lot of people when Notre Dame loses those big games they try to say it's a talent gap or a coaching gap or things like that and uh, Brian was really defensive he's like hey we're 29 and 3 in our last 32 games and We've won twelve in a row, longest streak in the country. We've won twenty-two in a row at home, and when we lose these games, it's a it's a talent gap issue. You know, people forget that Clemson blitzed Alabama the next week in the title game. That that was his direct words that they blitzed them, and they did. Clemson destroyed Alabama, uh, and it wasn't a talent gap issue then. So, uh, like every big game at Notre Dame, you know, it's this is a prove it game for the Irish. You know, it is. Um, they haven't won big game a big game, right, where they're playing a top-five team. You know, the biggest win in Brian Kelly's tenure was probably that win at Oklahoma in 2012, and Oklahoma was ranked number eight at the time. You know, uh, other than that, you know, there hasn't been like a quote-unquote marquee victory for the Irish. It's it's a, it's a loss to Alabama in that 2012 title game. It's losing to Clemson in the playoff. Uh, both times they've played Georgia, they've lost. You know, they... They go on the road to Florida State in 2014 and lose that game. Controversial fashion near the end, but still, you know, they're in that game. Or the game against Miami in 2017 where they go down there and get absolutely crushed. Um, You know, they haven't necessarily won that huge marquee game that Notre Dame is supposed to win, you know, for lack of a better term. Uh, So this is absolutely a massive, massive game for Notre Dame, uh, for Brian Kelly, for this program and everything. So uh, I'm excited. Uh, and these two teams will, could probably meet up again in the ACC championship game in six weeks. So, you know, this might not be the first, the last time we see these two play, but I'm very excited. I'll be there Saturday night. Uh, yeah, these are the games you live for, you know, as a sports fan. So uh, I mentioned that, you know, we'll go back to the top, and I mentioned that uh, Wade Iams – Clip that we want to run. He, like I said, he was a walk-on Notre Dame player uh, on the scout team, defensive back during that uh, season, and he kind of talked to me a little bit about what it was like that week and then the actual game itself. You know, he was on the sideline, and and if you remember that Notre Dame USC game, which if you're listening, you probably do, you're from the area. Um, the play before the bush push ending, it looked like. Matt Leinart, the USC quarterback, kind of fumbled the ball. It went out of bounds. The clock was still running. It hit triple zeros. It looked like Notre Dame had won the game. Um, And then they reviewed it and they said, no, there's still like six, seven seconds left on the clock. And then the next play is Leinart quarterback rushing and trying to do a QB sneak and Reggie Bush pushing him into the end zone for the score. Um, I kind of asked Wade about that play, that moment. Uh, the whole thing, and he actually gave a very interesting answer of what his perspective was like and the team as a whole uh, after that play. So here's Wade talking about the Bush Push play and the ending of that game. Well, mostly the energy of the week and the build up, and also it was confusing Uh, when you were on the sideline uh, at the the actual bush push was a really confusing moment right at the front line nobody really knew what was going on whether an additional play happened whether he got in Uh, you know we were And then, of course, you couldn't see what was going on in the huge pile that was the Bush Bush. So um, that was one of the biggest things I remember. Yeah. So Wade, with a really uh, kind of a cool perspective there, and I was telling him uh, when we were talking on the phone that uh, you know when I was watching that game when I was ten, not to age anybody in the in the room, but I was a huge Notre Dame fan uh, as a little kid, and I thought Notre Dame had won the game, and I was running to put on my shoes and run around the the sack and be like yeah Notre Dame won and my dad was like no 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 wait they're reviewing it they're like come back it's not over yet and uh you know then the Bush push play happened so uh you know 10 year old Austin was pulled for Notre Dame uh big time uh that year I loved Brady Quinn I think I still have a Brady Quinn green jersey like the ones they wore against USC that day um it might be in my closet actually in Goshen I think I brought it with me just as like a sentimental purposes I that does not affect my reporting on Notre Dame I promise you that um but that was a fun that was a fun that was a fun game I'll always remember watching that with my dad I know it's cheap and sentimental to say that but uh yeah good times so uh well that will wrap up this edition of the Goshen News Sports Podcast thanks for tuning in this week we will be back next week with reaction from Notre Dame Clemson girls basketball season starting uh and anything else that decides to happen in the sports world so uh, thank you for tuning in we'll see you next week